Turning to the Psalm 13. And we'll read uh, this psalm together this evening. The 13th Psalm, the title is uh, To the Chief Musician, a Psalm of David. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine heart be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say, I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy, and my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his precious word this evening. Tonight, in this Psalm of David, uh, we see the sweet psalmist of Israel uh, feeling troubled, uh, perplexed, deserted, and abandoned by the Lord. Uh, this psalm does not specify a particular event in the life of the Lord's servant, uh, but Sage Spurgeon said that it is doubtless more than once the language of a much-tried man of God and is intended to express the feelings of the people of God whose ever-returning trials beset them. And there's a reminder there for us that in this life there are trials, returning trials, trial after trial that can come upon us. And we're not living lives in which we are free from trials. And maybe that is a lot of some of us where we endure very little trial. Maybe we go through times in our lives and things are great, but maybe then trials come our way. We're not immune to trials. And in the sovereign will of God, there are those who are rarely ever free from facing trials and difficulties, even for a short time. And the Lord's servant here had many times within his life in which he struggled and suffered and had hardships. And we can understand then and connect with this psalm because we can feel with the trials and difficulties of life that the Lord has abandoned us. And let me say we can feel like that. Notice what is said. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? And here the psalmist is using language that implies to us that he feels that there is something that has went amiss in his relationship with God. He has been forgotten. He has been abandoned. The Lord is not there. And that is the feeling of the Lord's servant. But we must remember that the Lord is the balm for every weary soul. 
It was John Newton who penned, Rejoice, believer in the Lord, who makes your cause his own. A hope that it's built upon his word can never be overthrown. And when we think of this psalm, the key theme here is that David pleads that the Lord would speedily come to his aid to help him and uh, to give him that strength that he needs. And so tonight I want us to consider, consider a question abandoned by the Lord, question mark, abandoned by the Lord, question mark. And the first thought that I have here regarding this psalm is thought, but not reality. Thought, but not reality. Here the psalmist is thinking and feeling that he has been abandoned by the Lord. That is his thought. But as we see, as we move down this psalm, that is not the reality. And sometimes we can feel deserted and forsaken. But that is not the reality. It is a feeling. And we can all feel that we've been abandoned and forsaken. It can happen. We can feel like we've been deserted and abandoned by friends. They no longer want to have a friendship and fellowship with us. And we can feel like the psalmist here is struggling and feeling that the Lord has forsaken him. Problems and difficulties can so beset us and overflow us. We can feel that, well, where is God in all of this? How can this be happening to us? And dear believer, we ought not to think that. Uh, but yet, those feelings can so easily come upon us. The problems and difficulties arise, and it seems like the courts of heaven have been closed to us. But, and we must acknowledge uh, that this is not the reality. God has not forsaken his people, uh, because he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is the friend that sticketh closer than any brother. And we can be disciplined by the Lord. And we can feel afar off because of that sin. And David here feels abandoned. I believe that's an assumption by the psalmist. He may feel that way, but that is not the reality. It may seem that way, however. Henry Law, an old preacher, said that discipline, referring to discipline and the fact that uh, sometimes uh, we feel abandoned by the Lord, and that is because the Lord is disciplining us, dealing with our hearts. Discipline is of need in the school of grace, and therefore it is not withheld. He says something wonderful here. A loving father orders it, and a loving hand applies it. When we think of discipline, we think of the child doing something wrong. We think of discipline being applied. I have lots of experience in discipline from the child's perspective. And I have experience of the rod. That's a somewhat controversial method today. And it didn't last long for me. I was wise when I was young. And eventually I realized, well, I'll turn around and I'll say, well, was that supposed to hurt? And... Uh, then my parents realized this is not working. We need to do something else. And so I was spurred the rod, uh, but I was not spurred uh, discipline and punishment by other means. And that is important. It's important for children uh, to be disciplined and corrected. Sometimes that comes uh, with a punishment, 
with a restriction. Uh, you can't do this. Your games console, well, that has to go away. And uh, you uh, cannot go out with your friends that night you were planning. You have to stay at home because you need to learn a lesson. And so means are used in discipline. The father or the mother should always discipline in love. There should not be a kick out of causing hurt or pain. There should not be a rage. It should be done out of love. The child may not understand it, but growing up, the child certainly will understand. And the Lord disciplines us out of love. That's the key thought here. A loving father orders it, and the loving hand applies it. When the Lord disciplines us out of love, we can feel abandoned because of our sin. And because of the Lord's discipline, it is not in anger or spite or enjoyment, but it is done out of love. And the same thing can be true of all discipline, and must be true of all discipline, applied in love. And we must take care of anger. A loving hand should apply the discipline as it points to the right way. Henry Law goes on to say the purpose and the result are an increase in grace. Lurking sins are thus detected. Weakness in faith's fabric is repaired. Secret foes are dragged to light and slain. Prayer and dependence and matured experience gain power. Fruits of repentance are ripened. A shaken tree takes deeper root. And so the Lord's discipline, there is a purpose. And there is a plan in it to strengthen us and to sanctify us. And we can see that Discipline is important in spiritual things. Discipline can simply be take, it can simply take the form of reading the word and being rebuked by the Spirit of God as we read that word. We can simply see change is needed. And so discipline is done very simply through the word of God. But here, perhaps David could have been in such a period as this. He was a man after God's own heart. He was not perfect. He was not sinless. Maybe it was because of some kind of discipline. Maybe it was because of the trials and the hardships and the difficulties of life coming down. And those two things we can experience ourselves. And we can sometimes feel, have we been abandoned? Has the Lord forsaken us? And that is a thought, but that is not the reality. And we see David's desire for deliverance here. Because he asks this question, How long will thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide my, thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? And the fourth, how long? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? There were issues that David desired to be dealt with. He desired deliverance. He desired a resolution. And his focus here, despite the hardship and his feelings, the focus is upon the Lord who is his only deliverer. And dear believer, when your soul is cast down, when your soul is discouraged, you're to look to the Lord. You're to look to the Lord. Spurgeon said, regarding verse 1, How long will thou forget me, O Lord? He said, Ah, David, how like a fool thou talkest. Can God forget? Can omniscience? That infinite knowledge of God, feel in memory. Above all, can Jehovah's heart forget his beloved child? The answer is no. No. David's crying here, how long will thou forget me, O Lord? Oh, but the Lord does not forget. He does not forget his children. We must emphasize that. 
We can forget people. We can forget faces. You can add names as well to that. And it starts to get really bad when we think of how easily we forget someone's name. And uh, we forget who uh, people are. I remember going into bookshops in Northern Ireland. And I preach in churches that maybe had 100, 200, 300 people. I go into a bookshop. Someone says hello to me. They know who I am. They were just a face in a crowd uh, for one particular hour or so. Uh, on a Sunday a few months previous, I have no idea who they are, um, but they, they know me and they know who I am. And, of course, you feel embarrassed because you haven't a clue who this person is. And that often happens quite a bit. We forget people and faces and names, but the Lord never forgets. He knows how many hers are on our heads. He knows all about us. His heart cannot forget his own beloved children. And we need to understand that because it is an encouragement to us. The Lord does not and cannot forget us. And even if we are disciplined by the Lord, he has not forgotten us. If we feel that God has forsaken us, dear believer, are you concerned about that? Does it grieve you? There are many who are unconcerned about whether they have the Lord's presence or not. It's not a big thing to them. It's not something that is significant in their lives. But David here is concerned. He's concerned the Lord has turned away from him. He has this feeling and he wants to resolve this feeling and know that the Lord is with him. There were things in verse 2 that are hard to bear. Sorrow in his heart daily. The enemy being exalted over him. They were hard to bear. He struggled to deal with it. And he needs the Lord's help. And in times like that ourselves, we can try to find escape and seek help, the help of others. But it is the Lord that we need. And we need to remember, while we may feel he may have forsaken us, it's a feeling. It's a thought. It's not the reality. Because he cares for us. He loves us. His eyes are ever upon us. And though we may forsake him, he does not forsake us. Let us remember that. But secondly, I want you to see trust and not rejection. Trust and not rejection. In verse 3, we read, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God, lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say, I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. David has presented his problem, and now he cries concerning help. And Spurgeon said, the mercy seat, the mercy seat of prayer, the mercy seat is the life of hope and the death of despair. The mercy seat is the life of hope and the death of despair. And if you have despair within your heart, within your life, and the circumstances are coming upon you, where should you go? To the place where... That despair will meet its death. The mercy seat where God answers prayer. There may be despair, but our prayers are the death of it by the grace of God. David feels the Lord has forgotten him and he cries for the opposite. He desires to be heard by the Lord. And dear believer, is that your desire tonight? To be heard by the Lord. To come to the prayer meeting. Not because you need to show your face. Not because you need to set a, as it were, uh, show that 
you know, you're, you're supporting the work of God here and fulfilling the duty of membership by coming and supporting the place of prayer. You're not here because you are expected to be here or have to be here. You're here because you want to pray. You're here because you have a desire to pray. You're here not out of routine, but you're here because we meet with God and you have that deep desire within your heart that the Lord would, as David says here, hear me. Hear me, O Lord, my God. When we come to pray, we must desire to be heard by the Lord. The Lord would hear our cry. The Lord would answer our cry. We're not praying out of routine. We're not praying just because it's something we do on a Wednesday evening. We're praying because we see the need to be here. We're praying because we know the Lord answers prayer. And the Lord hears prayer and answers according to his will. We are here because it is an essential part of Christ's work for us to be here praying unto him. And David desires the Lord would hear him and he acknowledges his God. Oh, that we would not turn from God in trials. When difficulties come upon us, he would be the first that we go to. We would not look at others. We would not forsake the Lord. Sometimes there is a turning and God can be blamed. But we ought not to blame him. But we look to him. We cry to him, Lord, help me. Help me. I visited someone a long time ago who lost a family member very, very suddenly. Uh, they, they died very, very suddenly in the home. And uh, this person, instead of coming to the house of God, instead of coming to worship, they stayed away. And they struggled a little with this. Why did God allow this to happen? And uh, they, instead of coming to the Lord and using that situation with all its tragic circumstances to draw them closer to the Lord and to rely upon the Lord, they, they stayed away. And we ought never to do that. Never to do that. Our trying circumstances should bring us closer to God. And David here acknowledges his God. He feels there's an issue. He feels he's been forgotten, but he, he knows that his Lord can help. He's desirous his Lord would hear him. And despite how he's feeling, he knows he can turn to the Lord. And dear believer, if we feel discouraged and we feel filled with despair because of circumstances within our lives, let us never forget we can turn to the Lord. He hears us. He answers us. He is our God and our Savior. Let us never ignore turning to him. In verse 3, he says, lighten mine eyes, lighten the darkness, help me. What is the great fear in the majority of trials we may face? It's the losing of our life. David here says, lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lord, ease things, lest I sleep the sleep of death. He was fearing the end. He's honest. And we ought to be honest when we deal with the Lord. He sees our hearts. He knows whether we're honest or not. But let us be honest to him. Let us pour out our hearts to him. There may be things that you feel you cannot bring to the public place of prayer. 
but don't ignore the private place of prayer and bringing those things to the Lord. There are things within our lives that may not be overly suitable to bring to the public place of prayer. But let us not forsake the private place of prayer where we can bring those things to the Lord. And even now, this evening, we can bring those things quietly in the depths of our souls to the Lord. Let us be honest to him. Let us pour out our hearts to him. Let us not hide things away, but let us pray for the desires of our hearts and those things that trouble us. We see in verse 4 that there is an enemy. The enemy is saying, I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. The enemy would prevail if God did not step in. And God's will is not that the enemy would prevail over our souls, but that the enemy would be defeated. We're victorious through our Savior. We're saved through Christ and his atoning work. We're justified through what Christ has done for us, and that salvation brings honor to God. Honor to God. And the defeating of the enemy here brings honor to God. David's crying out. He's saying, Lord, help me. Lest the enemy rejoice. And if the enemy rejoices over prevailing over David, well, because David's the child of God, the enemy is prevailing over God and God's protection and God's help. And so David is crying out, Lord, defeat him. Lord, help. For the honor of thy name as well, help. And then thirdly and finally, we see praise and not despair. Praise and not despair. We are a people who must rejoice in our salvation. We must rejoice in who our God is. Paul said to the church in Philippians chapter 3 verse 3 that those who are truly circumcised, circumcised in their hearts, the true believer rejoices in Christ Jesus. It's one of the marks that we have as believers, rejoicing in the Savior, having a joy in him, boasting in him. And what is David doing here? He says, verse 5, But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. There's a rejoicing in the heart. There's a singing because of what God has done. And because of what God will do. His trust is in the mercy of God. Dear believer, we can rejoice in Christ. We can rejoice in his salvation. When we think of the application of redemption in theology, it thrills the soul. We can think of adoption. We've been adopted into the family of God. We have assurance and sanctification and a peace of conscience and perseverance to the end and the surety of eternal life. All those benefits that flow from salvation. A mere mention of those things should thrill our souls. Never mind studying them in depth. There's much to, th- much to thrill us. And he's rejoicing in this. This is what God's salvation is about. All these blessings that flow to us. And in the storm he was facing, the Lord was his anchor. The Lord was his anchor. And dear believer, let us not forget That in our times of despair, the Lord is our anchor. He's our help. Let us praise him. We ought not to despair, but simply to trust in him and have joy in our God. 
The commentator John Trapp said, how far different is the end of this psalm from its beginning? I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. What a change there is. And there's a change here because of the Lord. And in our circumstances, take this psalm, apply it to a circumstance within your life. And maybe you're feeling like the psalmist, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Focus on the Lord. Trust in him. Know his help and his strength and the answer to your prayers. And then at the very end, there's this trust, there's this rejoicing, there's this singing because the Lord hath dealt bountifully with you. Oh, he deals bountifully with his people. And our joy ought not to be silent. We ought to sing it. We ought to spread it. Oh, may we rejoice in what God has done for us. And may we, like the psalmist, though we may feel abandoned, though we may feel in despair, let us focus that our God does exist, that our God does care for us. And let us sing to him because he hath dealt bountifully with me. May the Lord bless these few thoughts for his name's sake this evening. Amen. Amen.